Hello, everybody. Welcome to the of the one-on-one FPL podcast. Just two guys from down under of their FPL. I'm joined again by my co-host, Jamie, as known as FPL Cantona. How are you today, Jamie? Yeah, good, team up. Buzzing after another green arrow. Um, and I'm really looking forward to this one because uh, we'll be talking about your wild card. So Yeah, it feels like the night before Christmas at the moment. Um, very excited. Finally in a position now to hit that wild card. I've been waiting 12, 12 long game weeks for it. So, yeah, already made a few changes. Probably not finalised yet. But, uh, yeah, I'll be talking through my plans and the way I'm thinking a bit later in this podcast. And all credit to you for being patient because everyone, you know, was hitting the button in game week eight and nine. And I know, I know you could be tempted to press it as well, but you held your nerve and you've, you know, you just keep getting the green arrows. Um, and it just seems like you've just been on a long run of green arrows and now you're just going to make a quick uh, pit stop, hit the wild card, and I think you'll keep going. That's the plan. So I was, look, I won't lie, I was very stressed out uh, on the second day of this particular game week, especially watching the Liverpool versus West Ham game where I think everyone I knew had uh, Salah and they all made him skipper, which was for me extremely stressful because I didn't even have Salah um, to the point where I think for every point he scored, it was going to cost me about 3500 in rank. So, you know, when you're sort of sitting in that top, 50k and then every you know every single point he scores can have that sort of an impact you know I was very worried he was going to score a 15 to 20 pointer and then I'd be you know 130 140k but anyway let's uh, dive right into it let's go into the wrap up from last week Jamie yep so I finished on the 58 points so another green arrow up to 76k so this has been my highest rank all year um, six out of 11 players returned but the most notable noticeable ones were Neko Williams, who I didn't even know was playing until the, um, you know, the 68th minute. So that was a good surprise. Dunk and Zaha. How did you go? Yeah, got another green arrow, which was great. So wasn't uh, expecting it, fielding only 10. And, you know, some of those 10 were a bit uh, dubious too. But, yeah, it was pretty fortunate. Um 56 points, up to 40,000 40, overall, which is great. And as we said, wild card, cocked and ready to go. For me, the heroes were, uh, well, look, it was probably the players I brought in that helped. So I brought in uh, Trossard and made him captain, which didn't obviously pan out the way I hoped. He was pretty unlucky where he uh, hit the bar. He was also playing left wing back, which wasn't in the plans. But um, look, if someone had said to me at the start of the game week that he'd score the same amount of points as Salah, I would have been pretty happy. The other heroes for me were uh, Trippier with nine, who was my vice-captain. Uh, Dunk and Virgil van Dijk were the two players that I brought in purely for one week, and they got eight and seven points respectively. So that worked out really well. And Zaha scored eight. Um, and I really liked his second half, actually, when he was more sort of central. And Pope scored six points, which was nice. But I had Ward on the bench who got nine points, so it kind of stung a little bit. So overall, the minus four that I that I spent ended up being a positive 14 outcome. So it worked out really well from that perspective. So moving on to what caught my eye, Jamie, was there anything in particular that uh, stood out for you? Well, basically from start to finish, Man United dominated Spurs. They looked really good, um, kept a clean sheet, 
And, you know, there's actually a few good assets in there when we talk about fantasy and not just United that, you know, could be appealing in probably two game weeks time, maybe around game week 15. They've got some good fixtures coming up after Chelsea. Um, I think there's bigger fish to fry before that, but it, it was just pleasing to see that there's another option now. Yeah, and just on that Spurs game, I think, you know, the fact that Lloris made eight saves actually showed how much Man United uh, bossed that game. And, you know, uh, not so much a stat of the game week, but uh, uh, Antonio Conte has never won playing at Old Trafford in his managerial career. So, yeah, it was a complete uh, display from United. They uh, won 2-0, but probably could have been more. Yeah, yep. No, that, that's exactly right. So it's just nice to potentially have some other options moving forward. And then, you know, that another standout for me was Chelsea's draw with Brentford. Um, you know, they pretty much dominated the game in terms of possession, but they're just a little bit too hot and cold for me. Um, that they don't seem to score a lot of goals. They can defend well, uh, and the team's constantly changing on the potter. I don't know if it's because he's rotating the team for the tight game weeks and Champions League, or if he's you know listening to his physios and sports scientists. I'm not really sure, but there's not a lot of standouts in that team for me anymore. You know, Mount was looking good. You had James, but they've sort of gone off the radar for me now. Yeah, I don't think there's any one I'd want from Chelsea at the moment, except maybe Kepa if you were just wanting to leave him in goals, etc. But looking at their fixture and looking at, I guess, the way that, uh, you know, Potter moves around that squad, there's probably no one that you'd be set on who, who'd be a certain starter in that starting 11. And, you know, and if we do go back a few days in the last podcast, I did maybe mention that Mason Mount probably was scoring probably overs to what he was probably, to what he should have been. Now, I'm not going to say that one week is the sample size for that, but let's see how he goes over the next four or five weeks. I, I, I still think there's at least six or seven other assets through the midfield that, that I would rather have than Mount. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with you there. I think, I think he's probably fifth in line there. And then the last one for me is, you know, who, you know, whoever plays in that central striker spot for Liverpool could be a good option. Um, you know, Darwin was there. He was on the score sheet again. Now, he has the same amount of goals as Jesus for this season in half the amount of playing time. Um, and then whenever Salah's playing through the centre, he looks dangerous. You know, on the, you know, in the last game week, you know, when we all captained him, as soon as I turned it on and I saw him out wide, I just thought, uh-oh, you know, because he's playing in a midfield four out on the out on the wing. So when he's doing that, he's actually got to work a bit harder defensively now as well. So when you say that about Salah and, you know, you saw him wide and you weren't happy, well, I saw him playing wide and... It, wouldn't have mattered if he was centre-back, centre-forward, playing wide. I was still hiding behind the couch for every single minute of that game, scared to look at the TV. What, did you just bob your head up to see where he was playing, to see if he was on the wing? <laughs> uh, pretty much whenever the ball was in the final third for Liverpool, I just turned away. <laughs> yeah, it would have been scary. Um, yeah, so it'll just be interesting to see who, who will play there this game week because... You know, we know that they're playing Nottingham Forest there, and that could be, you know, we know they put eight past Bournemouth, so it could be a bit scary uh, for Forest. So, anyway, they were the, the standouts for me this week. Um, what about yourself, Dima? Anything catch your eye? Yeah, things caught my eye. Uh, 
Kieran Trippier just continues his great form. He earned another three bonus points to go with his clean sheet. So he, he scored the nine points. And he seems to be a magnet for any type of bonus point. So he's always around the bonus points. And I think every single clean sheet this year that Newcastle have kept, he has been in the bonus points. So he's just an absolute magnet. Yeah, you're, you're right there. He's, um, he's actually returned 10 out of 12 game weeks. So I think he's just a set and forget for the rest of the season. So good shout for, for Trippier. And you know what? He has incentive over the next four game weeks when Newcastle's fixtures turn tough because James is injured for the England right back spot for the World Cup and Trent Alexander-Arnold's out of favour. So it could be his. Well... Hopefully, he continues his great form. I've, uh, as you know, I've actually had him from the first day of the season. He's been, he's been nailed in my side. Um, to me, he's the new Trent as far as he's a defender. But even if they concede, he's got just as much of a chance of scoring points as you know some of the midfielders and also forwards at, at that club. So, yeah, for me, he's a set and forget. And, yeah, I, I, uh, I actually hadn't thought about that uh, right back spot at the moment for England with all of uh, the players injured. So let's see how that pans out. Um, the other thing that's caught my eye, for the, fir- for the third game in a row, Brighton failed to score. So, you know, we all look at the Brighton side under the new manager, Deserby, and he essentially promised, you know, free-flowing attacking football. His first game, they kicked three goals against Liverpool, and we thought, okay, here we go. But, look, they were probably a bit unlucky against Nottingham Forest. They had a uh, expected goals of almost two and a half. Trossard, as we said, hit the post. Um, and there was a few other chances where, you know, their forwards probably should have put the ball away. Um, Danny Welbeck, I know he's he's had his moments and he was sort of talked about a fortnight ago, but he just has not performed. And I think that if Brighton had have had a striker, they probably would have, well, minimum one during the last game week against Forest, probably against Spurs, even they might have snuck a draw. So they should hopefully be in the market for a striker for the next uh, season ahead. Uh, Other things, Danny Ward scoring nine points and silencing the doubters. Now, we're probably two of those people. And what I'm going to say is, Jamie, do you think now he's becoming a good asset at 4.1 million? Yeah, he... He could be, but at the end of the day, I don't think you want to put all of your eggs in in the Leicester goalkeeper basket. Um, he, we know that he he's prone to a mistake, you know, a very silly one. Um, I, I think that there's better options in that mid-four op- uh, range there, but definitely he should be first, first backup. And the last thing that caught my eye was for the second uh, game week in a row, and it probably had something to do with the fact that Man City and also Arsenal didn't play, but only 13 goals were kicked in nine games. So when you look at most of the high high scorers for, for the round, so if anyone out there you know, in your uh, mini leagues, it was all centred around points in the back four. And, and if you're one of my friends, because he scored 70 points... He had on Captain Harlan because he obviously didn't change his team. And his vice-captain was Allison, who got 15 oh, points. Are you kidding? So he got 70 points and 30 of it came from his goalkeeper, which is unheard of. So, you know, look, no forward during the last game week scored more than six points. So, geez, it's funny how over the last four or five game weeks, we've gone from 
big at the back, to the forward line, to the middle. Last week, probably uh, goalkeepers, because we had six or seven score over 10 points. And now this week again, we're now back on the defenders. So what it shows is that no matter what team that you're picking, you want a very well sort of rounded team, but you also want a team based on, you know, a block of four or five fixtures because things can change very, very quickly. So that's what caught my eye this week. Now, onto the weekly Twitter poll. Now, with obviously last week's blank for Arsenal and Man City, we asked the Twitter sphere, how many Arsenal and Manchester City players do you have playing this week? So, you know, obviously for those ones wildcarding, it would probably be five or six. But, you know, for most people who have already used that wildcard, it was obviously going to come in far less. So the poll was zero, one or two players came out at only 2%. Three or four Arsenal and Man City players a whopping 63%, which I think you're in that boat, Jamie. Five Arsenal and Man City players, 24%, and six players, which is the bracket I'll be in, at um, 11%. So does that uh, surprise you, Jamie? Um, well, I thought it might have been a touch higher. People might have had an extra player in there, but I guess... Most people have used their wild cards and were just wanting to have the three on the bench. So I can understand why the results are where they are. Yeah, and a little bit later on in, in, on this podcast, we will essentially look to uh, compare a player A and player B. So, and that's where you know some of those are Arsenal and Man City assets as well. So we will come to that shortly. Uh, on to the questions from Twitter. So Frankie L asks, who is the best mid-price midfielder at the moment? I have Trossard and looking to downgrade him to someone cheaper. So Trossard currently comes in at $6.9 million. So if I'm looking at the uh, candidates for Frankie L, I think that if you don't own Martinelli, he has to be number one. He's priced at $6.7 million. Um, so I think he's the one you probably want to prioritise. And then for me, the other four that you'd look at are probably Rashford at 6.6. Probably should have scored. Um, on the weekend against Tottenham. Well, probably twice. Sinistera hit the post against Leicester. So he looks okay as far as Leeds go. But Leeds, is, Leeds have got two pretty good fixtures ahead um, out of their next four. But there's probably there's probably other assets you could look at. You could look at someone like a uh, Eze from Crystal Palace. Two of the last three weeks, he scored uh, 10 points. Um, but it's probably hard to have Zaha and him in the same midfield. Uh, but he offers very good value at 5.6. And um, Miggy Almiron at 5.3 million. Now, he has actually scored more points this year than Mohamed Salah, which is unbelievable when he's less than half his price. And, and if we go back on this podcast about three or so weeks ago, I was looking at who to pick in that last midfield spot where I had I could pretty much afford almost anyone that I wanted. And I bought Sterling. And it basically came down to Sterling, Trossard, or Miggy Almiron. And, geez, if I had a gone Almiron, geez, I'll tell you what, that uh, rank at the moment would be very sky high. So, look, for me, uh, Frankie L, I'm going to say Martinelli, one, Rashford, two, and then uh, Eze at three. That's my ranking. Yeah, and, and Frankie, my take would be Martinelli, number one, uh, because he's nailed in on that left wing uh, in the front three for Arsenal. Uh, he's had a great season. He's very cheap. Um, 
he would be number one. Number two for me would be Rashford as well because Man United has some good fixtures after Chelsea. And, you know, he's leading the line for Man United while, you know, Anthony Martial's injured and Ronaldo's out of the scene now after what he did. Um, so, you know, if he, if he, I think, I think for a striker, um, composure comes with confidence and with game time. And he is finding himself in so many good positions as a striker. You know, he keeps finding himself one-on-one with the keeper. And sometimes he just puts his foot through it. He just blasts the ball instead of just placing it, you know, and just side-footing it, picking his spot and, and kicking it there. Once he sort of gets that, and I think I think that the, the trainers over at Man United will be coaching that into him. I think we could start to see some better returns from him. And th- sorry, I um, didn't realise that I was doing this podcast with uh, Luis Suarez or Lewandowski, such a clinical striker, telling Marcus Rashford how to finish. Mate, if he saw me on the park on a Saturday at three three o'clock, don't worry about that. Um, and then num- number three for me would be Miggy Almiron. Um, pretty much. As you said, he's outscored Salah. Oh, yeah, he's playing in a good Newcastle team. He is nailed on that right wing, uh, right wing spot. Um, he, you know, five goals for the year. Uh, he started every single game. Um, you know, only twice he's been dragged off, you know, sort of early with 15, 20 to go. Um, you know, Newcastle have, you know, out, out of the next four fixtures, they have two really tasty ones. Uh so who, they've got Aston Villa and Southampton. Um, they've also got Tottenham and, and Chelsea. He could pop bob up there, but you'd think against Aston Villa and Southampton he could do something. So that would be my three in that order. Okay. Moving on to the next question. Tara Zach asks, who's the best bargain 4.5 defender for the next four weeks leading into the World Cup? So I've just made a list of probably the ones that, you know, range from that sort of 4.6 down to 4.4, 4.3 bracket. So Dallow at 4.6 has got three out of four good fixtures. Only problem is he's on four yellow cards, so that's got to come into consideration. Uh, Anderson and Guayhi from Palace have got four very good fixtures, both at 4.4 and 4.5 respectively. Castagna and Justin, 4.5 and 4.3 respectively, have got three out of four good fixtures. Now, uh, Gomez at Liverpool, if he can hold his place, he's only four and a half million. So he might be a real cheap way to get into that uh, defence. We probably need a bit more information about uh, Matip and uh, Canate, but yeah, he's pretty cheap there. Ben Mee playing for a rejuvenated Brentford back four. Um, well, it was actually five versus Chelsea. They've got three out of four very good fixtures, including their next three are very, very favourable. So they've got Forest, Leeds, um, yeah, sorry. Brentford have got Aston Villa, Wolves and Forest in the next three. So very, very favourable. Then you've got uh, Mikalenko and Tarkowski from Everton, who have got great fixtures, but I just don't know if I trust uh, Everton with trying to keep a clean sheet. Ben White, four and a half. If you do have room for a third Arsenal asset, um, he's probably the standout for me on this list. And then lastly, from Newcastle, Botman. So 4.4 million. So... Look, for me, I'm going to rate them as Ben White if you don't want to have another Arsenal asset because, as we know, you can only have three from the one team. So if you're comfortable with only having two of 
um, you know, Saliba, Gabriel, Jesus, Martinelli, or Saka, then you might look at Ben White. So anyway, my three, Ben White, Dallow, and then probably Anderson or me, depending on the rest of your team balance. Jamie? Yeah, I'd probably say my top three would be Ben White, number one as well. Um, Arsenal defensively are very good. Uh, he's nailed in that right back spot. And if Gabriel or Saliba need a rest or if Saliba finally gets that fifth yellow, you'd think Ben White would slot into that centre-back position there. Um, number two for me would be Gomez. Um, yeah, I know that it's Matip's and Kanate's spot, but also with Champions League, with Trent coming back from an injury, uh, Gomez could play right back as well. Um, so I think that he could return maybe you know, two or three out of the next four until the World Cup. And then in third spot, it would probably be Guihi for me, just because I have him. Um, so that would round out my third spot there. Um, and if we move on to the notable players who are one yellow away from a suspension, uh, we have Bruno Fernandes, Diego Dallo, Ivan Tony. Gabriel Jesus, Saliba, McAllister, and Shah. So it just seems like more and more people keep getting added to the list, Dimmer. There's some noticeable names there, some big names that who would be in a lot of teams. Um, you might be in a position where you might be sweating on a couple if they if they get a yellow in the same game. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, well, spoiler alert, I've got three of those players currently in my wildcard team. So... And, yeah, a little bit nervous about it that if, say, two of them got a yellow in the same week, it probably would stretch my bench out a bit. So that's going to come into play for myself when I do finalise this team Saturday night at about 8 o'clock Melbourne time, Australia. But, yeah, look, I mean, Diego Dallo was one that I was looking at as my fourth option on the bench, but he's one that I just cannot probably go to now because if he also gets a yellow card, I could have four players after a wild card unavailable. So, look, it's it's probably less likely that a striker will get a yellow. Yes, they probably don't know how to actually tackle, but they're, they're not in that position that much where they need to tackle. So, look, let's just see what happens with it. Um, but, yeah, I actually wasn't aware of Shah. Um, being on his fourth yellow. So that's, yeah, uh, pretty interesting to know as well. Now, we're going to change up the buy, hold, sell, wait section today to, quite simply, we're going to compare two players and we're going to pick one. So I'll just kick it off with Foden versus Saka. So Foden's 8.3, Saka 7.9. Now, Saka did come off late in last night's Europa League game with a, I think he had a kick to the calf, but I think he'll be okay. Jamie, are you favouring one or the other or both? Yeah, so this game week for me was always going to come down to these two plays. Uh, it was a flip of a coin um, as soon as the game week rolled around. Um, yes, Saka picked up a bit of a kick in the calf. Arteta, in his post-game interview, said he was okay. So... Hopefully that's true. But but basically, I'd be picking Foden over Saka. Um, the reason why is because, you know, aside from Haaland in that City team, Foden has the second most touches in the box. We know that um, he's been in, you know, some good finishing form. And then also, if we have a look at the teams, Man City versus Arsenal, um, 
When they play at home, the expected goals in 90 minutes, Man City are first and Arsenal are second. When they play away, Arsenal are still, sorry, Man City are still first, but Arsenal dropped down to sixth. So what that says is uh, Man City are capable of goals at home and away. Arsenal, when they play away, it drops off. And when we have a look at this week's fixture, Arsenal are playing away to Southampton and they just kept a clean sheet. So for me, it's Foden. What about yourself, Dimmer? I'll I'll go into more detail with the wild card coming up, uh, team reveal. But I just look at Manchester City's next four games, which are Brighton, Leicester, Fulham, and Brentford, and I see goals in every game. Like you've almost got to think that's that's probably a minimum fourteen plus goals scored by Man City. So you'd think in the form he's currently in Foden, you'd think he'd be involved in at least a third of them, whether it's a goal or an assist. Then I look at Arsenal's next four fixtures, which are also pretty good. They've got Southampton, Nottingham Forest, Chelsea, Wolves. So I still see goals there, but I I don't see 14-plus goals. So I think that you need to get to Foden or you need to get to a De Bruyne or whoever it is because we've all got Haaland. So... Um, my answer's Foden there. Jamie, would you go Cancelo or Trent? Cancelo 7.3, Trent 7.2. Yeah, I'd go Cancelo. I think City are more capable of a clean sheet. Um, without Walker in the team, I think Cancelo has a bit more of a licence to get forward. Trent coming back from a knock. Uh, yes, Liverpool have kept two clean sheets in a row. They've got a good fixture this week, but... You know, it, it would just have to come down to Cancelo for me. Yeah, for me, it's Cancelo. I don't see any of the four teams playing City scoring against them. Now, look, I'm sure that one will. But for me, he's a lock. And Liverpool, very, very lucky against West Ham to not concede. You know, there was a saved uh, penalty and there was a number of other chances that were had by West Ham. So for me, it's for me that's a very simple one, Cancelo. Speaking of Liverpool, Salah 12.8 or Son 11.8? Yeah, this is a bit of a tough one. Um, I think, geez, it, it really depends on where Salah plays. If he plays through the middle, it'd be him. Um, with their new formation, playing out wide is not as attractive. Um, but I would have to say, as it stands right now, Salah. Yeah, I'm Salah. Um, both have got three favourable fixtures out of the next four, and... The only one that's not really that favourable is when they play each other. So I just don't want to be hiding behind the sofa again with Salah this weekend when he's playing against Nottingham Forest because I reckon he's going to play central. And I'll explain why in about a minute when we get on to our next uh, comparison. But yeah, for, for me, it's still Salah. I just feel like, you know, he almost scored against West Ham very late in the game. So... You know, and Son's form's been very up and down. He's the kind of guy who could score two or he could score a 20, which we saw, I think he scored a 19-pointer a few weeks ago. So, yeah, for me, it's Salah. And I don't, I, I don't know the answer to this. Has Salah taken a penalty this year yet? Has Liverpool gotten a penalty yet? I don't think they have. So, to, uh, to my knowledge, no. Um, I, you'd think he's not- due. Yeah, yeah, no, you would think he's due, uh, you know, considering Bowen's had three um, and there's been a few others uh, 
McAllister took a few early on in the season. So, yeah, I guess we'll just wait for... Hopefully, there's one coming up for Salah this week. Uh, now, this is an interesting one. Jesus at 8, Firmino at 8.1, or Darwin at 8.8? It would be... It would be nice to know what Darwin's status is because he wasn't seen in training yesterday. Um, now, that's what I was going to. I, I was going to say, I I don't reckon he plays. Sixty-three hour turnaround time from their last game to this week's game. He came off in the fifty-fifth minute with a. He was complaining of a very very tight hamstring. Wasn't seen at training yesterday. I reckon this week it's Firmino and Salah playing up front. Yeah, um, so, I mean, if he was playing, I would probably put him up front. I'd probably pick him. But based on the cloud around him, I've never, I've never considered Firmino a good FPL asset. So for me to answer the question, it would just be Jesus. Yeah, same. Same based on all of the information that we've got right now. Mount or Zaha? Mount at 7.7, seven, Zaha at 7.5. Keeping in mind, Zaha's got four pretty good fixtures ahead and Mount has got Man United, Brighton, Arsenal, Newcastle next four. I think I would go Zaha here because um, I think he'll just keep ticking along over the next four fixtures. Um, you know, he himself um, changed the game a bit in the second half a couple of days ago by putting himself centrally. Um, whereas before he was a bit out of the game on the left wing, you know, he's able to do that because he is that talisman in that squad. Um, yeah, with Zaha, you have to expect he can go missing for a game and just get a two or a three. But then in another game, he could, he, you know, he could put one in or two in. With Mount, um, I don't think he plays close to goal enough um, at that price point for me. Um, so I would go with Zaha, even though he's never been a good asset for me. He's always killed me, but, you know, he's done okay since I brought him in. So, yep, even now, I'd go Zaha, Dima. I'm extremely bullish at the moment on Zaha. I think he changed the whole game um, during the last game week against Wolves when he went more central. Um, he obviously scored his goal playing in that role. So I wouldn't be surprised if he starts playing in that new position as that, you know, number nine like, you know, he, he might start out wide, but then drift in, swap with another player and uh, trade up. So, you know, looking at the fixtures, Palace's next four are pretty good. Um, they do have three that are away, but I still think that their fixtures are pretty good. The other thing about Chelsea's fixtures, as we said before, they're not great. There's probably one okay fixture there. The other thing is they're still going in the Champions League and... Next week is the next game, and their group is extremely tight. So I'm sure Potter's going to probably prioritise that for the time being. And I also believe that the uh, rotation of the squad probably cost them the win against uh, Brentford, even though Brentford probably had the better chances overall. But for me, it's Zaha. Zaha, he's a lock in my team the next four weeks. Yes, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, should we go Zaha to Foden, Zaha to Saka? I think he's a must. I honestly think the way he played that second half against Wolves, I'd be scared if I didn't have him for the next block of fixtures. 
Now, we'll just compare Madison and Bowen, both priced at 8.2. Both have got three good fixtures out of the next four. Yeah, I wouldn't bring any of them in. Um, if I had to pick one, I'd probably lean towards Bowen just because West Ham seemed to have improved a bit. Um, you know, Bowen's chance, you know, he's actually getting more chances now. He's actually got a better striker as well playing with him, Skamaka. Uh, yeah, I just, I'd just pick Bowen. I think that these two are probably so. Again, spoiler: I don't have him in my wildcard team right now. But I think that that if I had one of my players in the midfield get injured, these are probably the two guys that I'd look at. Um, very, very hard to split. To be honest, I'm probably leaning towards looking at how they go this week. Bowen's on penalties, which may sway it towards him. He's got three of his next four fixtures at home. So I'll probably go Bowen, but, you know, that might change after Saturday's game. Leicester got Wolves, Madison's at a rest. He might even perform. So now comparing Kepa, Raya and Guaita, all at four and a half. Um, I'd probably pick, yeah, it's a tough one. I'd probably pick Guaita uh, because of their good fixture run. Dimmer? Yeah, I'm Guaita, then Raya, and then Kepa. Even though, you know, Chelsea probably got the highest percentage against against any team to keep a clean sheet. But the fixtures, I'm just not sure about the next four being, you know, Man United, Brighton, Arsenal, and Newcastle. Like, there's probably not one fixture there where you'd, you'd walk into it thinking that he's probably going to keep a clean sheet. So, you know, Brighton, it'll slowly start to click for them. I know that they started off well under De Zerbi, but... Yeah, for me, probably Guaita, and that's the one decision that I'm making as far as my first-choice goalkeeper for from now on the wild card. It's going to be Raya or Guaita. So, speaking of goalkeepers, Edison at 5.5 or Allison 5.4, who in the last two weeks has got an assist and saved a penalty as well as two clean sheets. I would just pick Allison because you'd want to use your three Man City spots on people playing in the outfield. You know, you'd probably have your Cancelo, Foden, De Bruyne, and then Haaland. So it just has to be Allison for me. Yep, same. I don't have to add anything to that. That that makes perfect sense. Lastly, Mitrovic scored two games on the bounce versus Ivan Tony. So Mitrovic is at six point eight. Tony's at seven point four. Yeah, I'd pick Tony here. He's just looked really good. Um, yeah, they're both on penalties. They're both playing in attacking sides. Tony's got a point to prove if he wants to jump on the plane to Qatar for England. Um, so I would pick, yeah, I'd pick Tony. I think Tony is uh, essential at the moment. Um, everything that Brentford do goes through him. And he should have scored against Chelsea. There were some ripping saves from uh, Kepa which actually kept out uh, two of his headers. So I'd say Tony at 7.4, even though he's more expensive than Mitrovic. Um, Mitrovic has got his next two fixtures are good, but his fixtures in 15-16, he's got Man City and then Manchester United. So whereas Tony's got um, three very good fixtures and then Man City. But by the time that you roll around to game week 16, we could either move him to someone else, bench him, whatever it may be. Now, Jamie, who's your best captain choice this week? I think there's a standout. I think there's a clear standout, which is Haaland. He's rested. He didn't play a few days ago. 
they're coming off a loss. Um, he still hasn't scored against Liverpool. So I think he will be chomping at the bit to get on the score sheet against a leaky Brighton. Um, but then also another option there is if you want to go for something different and you want to follow the fixture is to put the armband on Salah um, because we know that Liverpool will score goals against Forest. It's just a matter of how much and it will be a matter of, you know, can Salah get involved because we know he loves to score a goal. So I think there is a clear standout in Haaland, but Salah's a close second. It de- it's depending on your strategy. You know, if you want to chase rank, you might go Salah. Um, you know, if you want to go with the pack and play the safe option and probably the go with the player who'll score the most points, it's Haaland. I saw a poll on Twitter. I can't remember who um, ran the poll, but they were asking for the best four, oh, you know, out of the four choices, who would you have this week as skipper? And it was Harlan, Salah, Kane, and someone else. I can't remember. And Kane and whoever the other person got about 2 or 3% total. Salah got about 10%, and it was a whopping 86 87% Harlan. So I think this is, again, going to be one of those weeks where if you don't have Harland, as you as your skipper, and he and he goes off, you're going to be you might drop 50, 60, 70, 80 percent of your rank spot. So I'll be going Harlan this week. And for me, looking at the Man City's next four game weeks, for me, he's just going to be my skipper each and every week. All right, let's talk our strategies for the upcoming week, Jamie, and then what's going on between now and the World Cup. So we'll get into the team reveals. So we might start off with yourself first. Um, so. What's the way that you're thinking this week? I think you've. I think you said you've already made a move this week, haven't you? Yeah, I went this morning because um, there was going to be a price rise, so I got in there in time. So Pope will be in goals. I'll have Guihi, Trippier, and Cancelo in the back line. In the midfield, I'll have Zaha, Martinelli, Salah, and Foden. So Foden does come in for Trossard, and then up front I'll have Haaland. Mitrovic and Tony Harlan will uh, wear the captain's armband, and then on the bench I'll have Iverson, Andreas Pereira, Dunk, and Neko Williams. Now, I'll just say one other thing: within the last couple of hours, I've been considering a minus four. Um, I just need to get my head around if it will pay off over the the next four game weeks. And I just need to make sure that um, if I bring a different player in, because I'm thinking different, you know, I'm thinking it's either going to be in defence. I was even looking at the keepers, Dimmer. I was even considering a keeper change, um, which could help me make a transfer next week um, for another player because the move I want to make next week, I don't have enough money. And I think it just might be worth taking a minus four this week while fixtures are still good. But I'm, I'm not certain on it. I'm still probably 50-50. So that's the team that I'm going out with at the moment. I'll give it some more thought tonight and um, tomorrow as well. With, the, I guess, the minus fours and the hits, um, looking at Twitter at the moment, a lot of players and a lot of players that have got high ranks are all trying to get back to the Man City and uh, the Arsenal assets. So I'm seeing some minus fours. I'm seeing some minus eights. Um, 
we saw that as well last week where some people were trying to field 11. So they were, you know, minus fours, minus eights. Uh, seeing it again. So I think that for anyone that doesn't use a hit this week, I think you're already four, four points better off than, you know, probably maybe 30% of the people that are near your rank. Now, Dimmer, we've all been waiting patiently. We've been waiting for this moment. Show us your wild card. That's why we're tuning in this week. That's why I'm here on the podcast this week. I want to hear about your wild card. Um, and I want to know what your target is. By game week 16, once that's done and we're heading to the World Cup, what do you want your rank to be? Because I think that by being patient, you're in a really uh, good position to launch from here. Even though you've had eight green arrows in a row, having the wild card up your sleeve uh, with a good amount of money in the bank, you can set yourself up for the next four game weeks. So tell us your team, tell us what your target will be um, because we all want to hear it. All right, so I was drafting up wildcard drafts two or three weeks ago, which which has obviously changed since because form, people are injured, etc. But, you know, whatever I do is going to be subject to the press conferences tonight and tomorrow. So, but I will eventually get to the team that I've got at the moment. But what I'm focusing on, so when I was doing my draft, I was focusing on, you know, who are the teams that I want to own players from for the next four weeks? So we're only looking at a four-week block. Those teams were Manchester City with Brighton, Leicester, Fulham and Brentford. It's a – I have to have three. Have to. Then it's Arsenal, Southampton, Nottingham Forest, Chelsea, Wolves. Have to have three of them as well. Now, I, I actually kept four of those players from last week's team and that's why I ended up rolling with 10 players because I had a lot of money tied into – Saliba and Martinelli. Saliba, I got at four and a half. He's now 5.1. Martinelli's now 6.7. I got him for six. Obviously, wasn't going to lose um, Cancelo, who's 7.3, got him for seven. And wasn't going to lose Haaland, who was 11, 11.5 at the start of the year, and now he's over 12. So, had to have three from Arsenal. Had to have three from Manchester City. Then I looked at all the other teams' fixtures, and I sort of ranked them. And I think Brentford's next three, as we said, are Villa, Wolves and Nottingham Forest. So for me, that was enough to say, definitely have to keep Tony. And contemplating a second Brentford asset, just knowing though that in game week 16, I probably won't be playing any of them because they're playing against Manchester City, but really like their fixtures. Liverpool, as we said before, three of their next four fixtures are very favourable. So I think I've minimum got to have one, possibly two from Liverpool. But then that might be at the expense of, say, Tottenham assets. So you've got Newcastle, Bournemouth, Liverpool and Leeds for Spurs in the next four weeks, which pretty good, pretty good fixtures. You'd probably say two and a half of those are pretty good. Um, then the other ones that are probably lower ranked teams that have got good fixtures would be uh, Everton and, and Palace. Have both got four relatively favourable fixtures over the next four weeks. So that's the way I've been thinking. Um, Manchester United have got, uh, after this week against Chelsea, they've also got three pretty good fixtures. So I probably won't be going to Man United assets this week, but, you know, Rashford, Dallow, subject to his card situation, they are on the radar. So probably the biggest decision that I've been struggling with this week is, do I go with option A, Salah and Jesus, 
or option B, Saka and Kane. So Saka and Kane would be cheaper, but Salah's got Nottingham Forest this week and then leads the week after. And looks like he might play as a striker this week. And if he's striking against uh, Nottingham Forest, I don't know how many he, he's potentially capable of scoring. Um, so at the moment, my thinking is Salah and Jesus over Saka and Kane. Um, Kane didn't really fire a shot against Manchester United. Now, he did he did have a big chance that was saved by De Gea in about the 60, 70th minute. But, you know, for me, at his price point, I'd, I'd like to hold off. I've seen a lot of people go to Saka this week. A lot of people. I just think that I've already got Saliba. I've already got Martinelli. They're both not going anywhere. So I can only have one of Jesus or Saka. And I don't know. I just think that while most of the pack are going to Saka, I'm going to probably go with Jesus. Yes, he's on his fourth yellow, but should he get that fifth yellow, I can always trade. I can always move around the pieces because I will have a squad that does bat down to probably the 14th player. So even if that has to happen, and I can still roll a transfer whether or not it's next week, the week after, etc. So right now I'm ranked at 40,000. Um, I think I spoke to you, Jamie, after, after the first night of games and Liverpool were still playing the following morning. And you said to me, Anthony, would you be happy with a rank of 80K at the end of this game week? And I said yes, because I was extremely fearful of Salah absolutely destroying my rank and had a very fortunate evening where Kane blanked, Salah blanked, and I also had some players that uh, performed quite well. So the fact that I'm 40,000 at the moment is probably um, higher than what I thought I'd be a few weeks ago. With the wildcard active, I think the target has to be 20, 20K. I think it's got to be 20K by the World Cup. 20K being conservative, I'd like to be in the top 10K. Um, and, you know, we and it's, it's very fine margins. So, you know, I think the points difference between 20K and 10K could be seven or eight points. So there's very, very fine margins here. So I think that if I can gain four points on the on all the players higher than me, obviously there's some that still have their wild card, but, but if I can gain on average four points a week, that's 16 points. 16 points at the moment puts me right on that 10K mark. So that's the aim. So this is the side that I'm currently rolling with, subject to press conferences, changes, etc. I am hoping that uh, Saka has been ruled out, actually, because I don't have him. But at the moment, I've got Guaita in goals with Ward on the bench. Now, my back five at the moment is Trippier, Cancelo, Saliba, a 4.5 that I haven't made up my mind on yet. And then Bueno from Wolves, who's a 3.9, he's just going to sit on the bench for the next four weeks. He actually scored six points the other night against Palace. Um, so he can just sit on the bench as the last man. Now, the reason why I'm going to go a 4.5, you know, and it's probably going to be one of, you know, uh, Anderson from Crystal Palace, uh, Justin or Castagna from Leicester, maybe me, maybe uh, Gomez from Liverpool, potentially, is... I don't want to have to make a transfer in defence until the World Cup, which means that 
Trippier, Cancelo and Saliba will start every week. If one of them happens to get injured, whoever that 4.5 player is can slot straight in. If Saliba does get that other yellow card, okay, he's out, and whoever the 4.5 is can slot straight in. So, you know, for example, if I look at Manchester United's um, fixtures after this week, because as we know, whoever this 4.5 is who I'm going to choose, I don't, I don't need them to have a very good fixture this week because I know that he uh, won't be playing. But if we look at the Manchester United fixture from game week uh, 14, 15, 16, they've got West Ham at home, Aston Villa, and then Fulham. So it could be a, a Dallow, or if I'm not as, or if I don't have as much uh, confidence that he won't get that fifth yellow, it could be Martinez just to sit on the bench and only come on if he's needed. So that's my back five the way I'm thinking. Um, the midfield at this point is Foden's been brought in, Zaha, Martinelli, Salah, and Pereira. So Pereira, again, will sit on the bench. Fulham's fixtures are good for the next two, but then after that, I probably probably wouldn't be starting him in either of the next two fixtures. But I do have some money in the salary cap if I need to move somewhere else too. And then up front, Haaland, Tony, and Jesus. So still got a mill in the cap. Um, so I can move around a fair bit. So, you know, overall, we got three from Arsenal, three from Man City, one from Brentford, one from Liverpool, two from Palace. So, you know, they were all the teams that I liked their fixtures. Now, it's likely that that other 4.5 defender will potentially come from one of those teams or it'll be a Manchester United defender just at that 4.5 price point, who I know is nailed. So, Jamie, thoughts? Pick it apart. Yeah, Dima, take a breath there. Um, come up for some air. Um, look, when I when I look at your side, it's a very strong, well-rounded team. Um, I think you've got a nice keeper in, in goals with very good fixtures. Um, I think you set and forget back three. Trippier, Cancelo and Saliba are outstanding. Um I'm pretty sure they would be the three highest scoring defenders so far. Um, I'm jealous that you've got an Arsenal defender. Um, and then your midfield four are very strong. They all have good fixtures as well. Um, you know, the only the only thing you may have done, and I know you would have thought about, is can you go for a fifth strong midfielder? Um, can you upgrade Pereira? Like, can you get some money elsewhere? Um, to upgrade Pereira, but I know you would have thought about that. Um, is there a reason why you're sticking with Pereira? Yeah, so with fantasy, as we know, you have to play minimum three at the back. So if we uh, didn't, I'd probably go a, a two-five-three formation if I could. But we have to play three at the back, which means we can only play four four mids and three strikers or five mids and two strikers. So I'm just fearful that if I do upgrade Pereira to like a Miguel Almiron or Eze from Palace, um, they're going to sit on my bench, and which is fine. But having that extra million in, in the cap means that if Tony gets a yellow or if uh, Jesus gets a yellow, it means that I can move around the sort of pieces a little bit more because 
I just want to have some flexibility. My plan is to roll. So obviously, whatever starting 11 that I pick this week or whatever my whole team is this week, I want to roll. So I've got two for in two weeks' time, which means I've got complete flexibility with what I want to do. Now, you know, if two of those players end up getting yellow cards, I still do have someone on the bench to come on as the fourth back. And then I've only got to make the one trade anyway. So I feel like it would be a, a, a big luxury to have, you know, Almiron on the bench or someone like that. But I feel like I can use that extra 0.8 or 0.9 um, for f- future trades. And, you know, really, that's what kind of left me last week a little bit sort of hamstrung with trying to get to Salah because I bought Sterling at 9.9 million when there was plenty of other options at six and a half and seven that I probably should have bought, which meant that I could have bought Salah last week, which, look, thankfully it didn't obviously cost me, but it was a huge risk that I didn't actually have to take. So I'd rather leave more money in the bank um, and hopefully none of my players get injured or get a yellow this week, which would then mean that I can roll the following week because, you know, if we if we if we look at the fixtures, you know, for the following week, that uh, starting 11s fixture is still very very strong. You know, Man City are playing Leicester, so there's already three of my players. Brentford have got Wolves at home, so that's you know Tony. Um, Palace have got Southampton at home, so that's Guaita and Zaha who are covered. Newcastle have got Aston Villa, which is uh, Trippier. Liverpool have got Leeds, which is Salah. Uh, Arsenal have got Nottingham Forest at home, which is my other three players. So my starting 11, and sorry, my my starting 11 plus my first sub next week will all have extremely good fixtures. And then, you know, sitting on the bench will be Pereira, who he's also got a pretty good fixture next week. You know, Fulham's fixture next week is uh, Everton playing at home. So the chances are, even if I do get a yellow, I'd still think I'd probably roll next week. So this side's been picked. It's almost like been picked for a two-week block and then for a four-week block. So that's the way I'm thinking, and hopefully it can march me up to the top 10, 10K. Yeah, and, and, you know, to put things in perspective compared to me wildcarding back in game week eight, you, you're, with your team now, if you leave it as it is, you'd be three moves ahead of me. So you've got that third Arsenal um, player you've got Jesus I don't um you already had Saliba um I'm jealous of having an Arsenal defender um especially with their fixtures and then you've got Guaita as well who has really good fixtures you know compared to Pope who a lot of people have um you know and when Newcastle's got two tricky fixtures in the next four so I think I think it's a good wild card team I think that you can push on from here and I think you I think you could even do better than um, 20k come wildcard, and I'll have my fingers crossed for you that you do, because um, it's been a good start to the year, Dimmer. So yeah, thanks for um, thanks for sharing your wildcard with everyone. That's uh, probably the nicest thing you've ever said to me, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> I know, huh? Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. So yeah, look, that's the team at the moment. Um, will it change? Highly unlikely, I've, you know, with the amount of drafting that I've done in the last two, three weeks. It, again, the only real decision, I guess, now is probably that 
last four and a half spot, but it'll be someone at four and a half or less, which means I'll have about a million in, in the in my in my cap. And you know what the you know what one of the best things of using the wild card is? As soon as the game week becomes live, you don't need to think about it anymore. You know, you can you can stop the overthinking, you can just get on with it and think about other stuff and you know enjoy life a bit because I know when you've got the wild card active, you're thinking this and that, you're trying to move the pieces around. So, Yep. And, you know, I think you said it before, you know, I'm probably three or so trades ahead of you, but at the same time, you were probably two and a half trades ahead of me because you use your wild card and I was obviously just trying to scrape through. Fortunately, was able to get, I think, the eighth green arrow in a row, which was extremely surprising. I thought I had zero chance during last game week. So, Let's see how this team goes. Um, good luck, everybody, on this game week. All the best this game week, and keep chasing those green arrows. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks, Dima.